This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, ready to get started? Yeah. I think. Sinusoid? Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Cables. Makers of cables and smiles. Check them out at sinusoid.com if you are looking for a great custom styled, not great, probably the best. Not just custom styled, any styled you can dream of. If you want a standard style, they can make it for you. If you want a custom style. Yeah, they've got some off the shelf stuff. Yeah. uh, Just basically like three click purchasing or an entire build your own cable uh, program. Three click purchasing. There's a nice little little buzz phrase. I don't know if it's actually three click purchasing, (laughs) but it sounds cool. Someone should should purchase something on there and tell us how many clicks it took. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you want a cable that sucks and ain't no good at all, go somewhere else. Don't go to Sinusoid because they're only going to make you good stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve. And you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing, selling, breaking, playing, reviewing. I'm leaving. Trading podcast yeah you got a little off the rails there there Steve. we go sorry i'll take it next time how about that <laughs> okay <laughs> if that's what you think you want so uh what's new steve so a couple weeks ago i was talking about how i got this strap and now i'm trying to sell it and that's uh, what you do you get it and you sell it i've gotten a couple offers on it so far one was a boss me80 i said nah bro that's cool for a trade for it yeah that's like the blue one with like the square buttons yeah yeah yeah, that's um, not a good trade. I think they're like those. I was seeing them going for around two hundred on Reverb. They are like three, like three hundred new. I think it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but you're not. No, I know. Yeah, I know, you're not obviously. shopping for that, so it's yeah, a weird um, trade. And then the other uh, offer I got, which I also declined, but a lot of people were telling me I should go for it, was a uh, Squire Vintage Modified Jaguar. In uh, was it the Jaguar? Yeah, it was a Jaguar in Seafoam. That was that would have been an interesting trade. What was the strat again? It was Mexican, right? Yeah, that would have been an interesting trade. I think you could have learned some things about Jaguars or about Fender offsets in general with that. My my biggest issue with it was that I already have this guitar taking up the space of a guitar in a hard case in my house, and I'm just of course I'm I'm in this all for flip. Yeah. Um, now some people, to flip it. Some people said like, oh, well, you could probably like get as much as like the same amount of flip or at least minimal. Um, Steve, you want to get maximum but flip. But I want to get maximum maximum flip. Max flip. Max flip. Uh, and, you know, the issue is that a lot of those Jags I was seeing uh, going for used, the prices were just all over the place. Yeah. Like, because there were people in the group who were like, oh, yeah, I bought mine for 175 I'm like that's not. I an, think those days are done. That's not an acceptable price for me. That's when they were like they were plentiful in the stores. I think you were seeing that happen. Are they not selling that model anymore? I don't think they're out there as much. I think they're trying to push the whole like do a Sonic Mustang line in stores more now. Yeah, so I, I don't know um, if I get 
far enough in, maybe I'll hit that guy up and, and make a quick swap, but I'm just not doing enough of my own electric guitar work. Plus, I think again, you got to like, get him to be like the guitar plus a hundred ohm. Right. And I thought about, I thought about hitting him back on that, but the ad that he sent, like one, he's asking f- to like trade for like Gibson, Les Paul, yeah, like a Gibson Les Paul studio or, or Gibson, an SG or an SG. So he's looking to do like guitar plus probably he's probably thinking cause he's listing this thing for like three fifty. I'm listing mine for three fifty. Yeah. So I think he's looking at it as a straight trade. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think on his side, I think he's got a, well then, you know, you see your Mexican strat for you. Is there a reason why it's three fifty? I mean, you're topping on that. Yeah. Because probably... I'm just looking to, uh, see if i can get someone like at 275 yeah yeah we're yeah i guess that's and so fair-ish, really I guess. really the question is i guess uh if i traded for the jag would i be able to sell the jag really quick for 275 here's and, my and i don't know if the answer to that is yes which yeah. is why i'm hesitant here's my question with those uh squire jags mm-hmm. i had a jag for a little while and i just couldn't get it used to it and it's like ah maybe if i put a mastery in it then I'd be able to handle right. it a little better. A but it was like a CIJ, and that wasn't even worth very much. It's like you're not going to dump a $300 bridge into a $200 guitar. Yeah, and even a ma- even the CIJs were, what, five 600 Yeah. I know people said the same thing, actually, with, with the Squire ones, that, that they are worth putting a mastery into. If it's, if it's a keeper, yeah. and otherwise... I mean, if you sell it, it's, it's really easy to swap those bridges yeah, out. Yeah, or otherwise people are saying, like, oh, just drop a, drop a Mustang uh, bridge and do the Mustang conversion. Yeah, that's like a $30 upgrade. Um, but again, it, my perspective on it was just, it's all about speed. I'm yeah. a little disappointed that I haven't had more offers on the Strat. Um, but... You might get more offers on offer the up. Jaguar... Well, I, like I said, like that's the question. But is, then the, the dollar value is going to be assumed lower. Right, you know? right. You might have to do an interesting trade for pedals or for an amp or something like that. You and know? that's something I, excuse me, that, I mean, that's something I'd be willing to do is like a multi-pedal trade. Um, I don't know if I'd do an amp, uh, but I would definitely consider like if somebody came in and offered like uh, like a El Cap. Yeah, yeah. Like one of those Strymon pedals that is selling for like 250 to 300 El Cap Flint, something like that. I'd make that trade right away. Yeah, that'd be a solid trade. And if you w- could flip that easy and you can ship it. And we've got the video for the Yeah, I could sell it on Reverb, I could put it on Reverb. Uh-huh. And we've got the video for the Flint, we could do some something with the El Cap. I think that's maybe. really going to be the thing you need to do with that strat is you need to flip it. You need you need to Trade it for things you can ship easily. Yeah, that you know you. So can sell. yeah. So when I was looking at like tr- trade bait, that's why I'm like a guitar is not that interesting to me. But a lot of even like six, uh, I wouldn't do six fifty dollar pedals, but like yeah, yeah, I know what you, you mean. know a hand like if it was you like would do four, like four one hundred dollar hundred dollar pedals, you know something like that, something like that where I could just list them individually on Reverb. Yeah, and take at a the hit end of the on day, a couple of them, you know. Like I can't be super picky because I've only got one hundred and thirty dollars in this, so That's pretty true. much everything. Like I could sell this for one hundred and seventy-five dollars and make profit. Yeah, but I'm trying to max out. I'm really thinking I can do one hundred percent, which would be two sixty. But I don't want to lower my price yet, and I think like you want to double your money. Maybe at the end of um, 
this week where we're recording. So actually, probably around the day this episode drops, probably gonna think about dropping my price down from three fifty to like three twenty, and see if I can get any more feelers on that. Get those feelers. Yep. Going back to the mastery thing, my uh, my recent like search engine itch when I'm on Reverb or yeah. Craigslist or whatever or eBay is trying to find someone who's trying to sell a Fender offset, whether it be a Jaguar or uh, or a Jazzmaster mm-hmm. that already has a mastery in it just to get like some experience with it and do some demo work with it, you know, and have one around, but have it be like, get a deal on a mastery by having it already equipped in the guitar. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like most people who have a mastery bridge in a guitar, they know what they have. I know, but it's kind of like, you know, it, I get a lot of gear flowing through my house lately. Yeah. Just doing demos and stuff like that. This isn't a humble brag. This is just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And so my 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 use hunting is a lot more specific. I'm I'm looking for very specific things. Right. And I'm willing to wait for, you know, my white whale. Mm-hmm. There was one up in LA and I wrote the guy and was like, Would you meet me halfway? Like in, you know, San Clemente or something like that. And he didn't yeah. write me back. Oh. But he was selling a uh a CIJ with a mastery in it uh, for like 600 or something. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. So if I can get it somewhere in that territory where I'm saving like a hundred bucks off the mastery by getting a $500 guitar that right. is pr- listed at 600. And like you said, you could go buy a Jag bridge off of. Exactly. But then I feel whatever. like if I get a guitar like that and I can pull the mastery out of it, then I can save the mastery and then, use it to dump into any other fender offset I get over the years, you right. know? So that's what I've been thinking about. Deep thoughts with Ryan Burke. <laughs> yeah. Super deep thoughts right there. <laughs> All right. You want to talk about this other new thing? What's the other new thing? Oh yeah. The video that we did. Yeah. We put up a video about a week ago now. It's a Zvex fuzz factory powered by lemons. Yeah. You bought that Zvex a while back. Got a screaming deal on it. How yeah. much did you pay? Like uh, 150? One. Hundred. One hundred. I think. That's crazy, Steve. I think it was a hundred bucks. And the guy yeah. when you the guy when you bought it, he was like, You're gonna flip this, right? <laughs> no, yeah. He asked me, he was like, he was like, uh he's like, Are you gonna are you gonna actually play this or are you just gonna flip it? And it was kind of weird because I was like You if, should send him our video. If you know uh how much this is worth yeah, why are you selling it? I don't think I, I don't have his email address because I we just because went through, through Craigslist. Craigslist. Yeah, I think I might have his phone number and my phone still. Text him. Give um, him a call, Steve. Check but up yeah, on him. I, I told him like, yeah, I'm going to do some uh, some demo work and stuff and with it, and uh, yeah, I'll probably eventually sell it. That's too much flip, and I'm not. I don't know. But you know what you should do? You should you should trade it for a Mexican strap. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I didn't really think about that. You could trade it for various things. I should trade it to myself. Oh my gosh. For Mexican strap. (laughs) Which one would you keep if you traded (sighs) to yourself? You got a Mexican strap out of a deal and you got a fuzz factory out of the deal. Well, my goal originally like was to eventually sell both of them and then use that to kind of reboot my, uh, Try f- attempts to flip. Yeah. Problem is, I feel like flipping has kind of moved online. I don't know. Our local market's just been not that great for flipping for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so it's like you got to buy low on eBay and flip under reverb now? Something like that. I, I don't know. I, 
Obviously, I know people are having more success other places, but... It seems like it's hard to sell things right now in general. I've got a bunch of stuff on Reverb that's not moving at all, and it's surprising me because the last time I sold a bunch of stuff on Reverb, it all moved really quickly. Yeah, so anyway, let's talk about these lemons. Yeah, so we did this video uh, trying to power a guitar pedal with lemons. It's like a classic high school chemistry sort of experiment right yeah um so we are only um, usually in high school you're trying to power a light bulb or something yeah with like a potato yeah um so uh that's where the fuzz factory actually worked out really well because the fuzz factory as far as i've been able to find not that i've looked super hard we uh, tried a few different pedals but uh the fuzz factory only re- requires three milliamps to run the circuit, which is like one of the lowest super low. uh, power requirements for any pedal we've been able to find. I've heard like the DOD 250s are super low, but I wouldn't be did, surprised. Did we try one? We didn't. Some oh dr- no, no, we tr- we tried a clone of it. Oh, we, we tried, tried the, the, fez. the fez. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't do work. Anything. Um, but basically, we hooked up eighteen lemons in. Um, one effectively one 12 lemon parallel battery and another six lemon parallel battery. Uh, and we hooked those two up in series. Um, so basically we took the six lemon battery, took the plus and connect it to the minus of the other one. Um, and, the uh, vice versa. Um, and we were able to get exactly three milliamps, and about one volt. Yeah. We're um, talking about starving a pedal. This, yeah. this is ridiculous. So for comparison, Ryan has a Dan Electro uh Dan Electrode. Yeah, it's a wall wart that you can you can turn you can voltage start. Yeah, it does voltage it. starvation and it goes down to what, like four volts? It goes to three. Three volts. So we are at a third of what like people who manufacture things to intentionally sag pedals. Uh, big props, do. big props to the fuzz factory that it was able to give us sound. Yeah, with basically no power. We gave that at that <laughs> volt at the amount of voltage that we gave it. It was not enough power to turn on and off the LED. It was just enough power to power the circuit. And um, my favorite part was when I said, "Hey, let's uh, let's plug it into the wall now and see what happens." Oh God! And it was like it was like that almost like that scene and. And Back to the Future. Oh when, yeah, when Marty turns on like the six foot speaker amp and like blows himself across the room, it was because ridiculous. we had everything dimed on the pedal and we're like, oh, this is a pretty pleasant volume. Yeah, it was very easy to be and in the then, room uh, with. And then we plugged into the wall, and it the volume must have jumped. I don't know, three, four, five fold. I mean, it was crazy. I wouldn't want to try to measure it by guessing, but it was like the volume jump was like uncomfortable. It was yeah. uncomfortable to be in the room with the pedal when yeah. it fit fully powered. It was great. It, <laughs> it was, was awesome. pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> um, so anyway, check out that video if you haven't seen it yet. We're um, open to suggestions on how to, well, not suggestions, but ideas on how we could have gotten more power out of a similar amount of lemons, like different wiring schematics, right. uh, you know, different ways of arranging nails and things like that. We're not going to do any of it. But it's kind of like a conversation starter. What I would like to see is um, if someone wants to try, if someone else wants to try it, that'd be super cool. We, I'd love to talk about it. Uh huh. Um, I want to see someone try but, to power uh, a, a pedal with a bunch of pineapples. Oh my gosh! Um, I actually read. I think apples might be better for this than lemons. I forget. There, basically, any fruit that has like acidic juice, this will work with. Yeah. Um, 
but the lemon is, I guess, one of the more common ones. People do it with potatoes. Yeah. Well, I've got the, the the idea was that I had this giant, I have this right. giant lemon tree in my yard that we took like thirty lemons off of this thing. Yeah. Which made me realize that there's got to be at least like four hundred lemons on this tree. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even make a dent. Yeah, I was uh, overall. You know, we kind of fluked into making it work. Um, we I, almost gave up. I don't want to say. I don't want to say we got lucky because, like, I understand the principles of what we did yeah. a little bit. We hit a point there, where there was some, a lot of frustration. There's some design issues, and and basically what made it work is. We had a row of lemons where I think one of one or two of the lemons uh, was bad, and was we had some lemons in the lemons. Yeah, uh, that was basically like shorting out that entire uh, cell. Yeah. I'm using air quotes. I still don't understand that. People, um, how would that work? Well, because basically, I think if you have one lemon that's not like conducting property property, it's properly. not conducting properly. Then um, instead of your instead of that cell like creating energy, like creating electricity that you can use it, that bad lemon, that bad point is sucking, is it up. sucking everything up. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so it's kind of like that idea. It's basically like, think about um, if you're trying to like power, like a ch- children's toy, you you're supposed to use all fresh batteries. And if you have like three fresh batteries and one dead battery, like it just doesn't work even though, but like four half power batteries will work. Right. So it's kind of like that sort of an idea. Yes. Like the one bad lemon killed the entire battery, so it made nothing. It made neither of them work. Huh. Well, which is why taking it out made it work. Check your lemons before you're using the power of everything. Right. And I mean, ultimately, like, if we had a lot of time to, to like, just kill on it, there's, like, three, two or three things I think would have made it a lot smoother. One... Would have been testing every lemon individually ahead of yeah. time, which would have taken a long time, uh-huh. more time than you want to deal with. Actually, if we had like a better, um, you could probably put together like a decent setup to do that pretty quickly. Probably. Um, the other thing would be uh, actually like dis- understanding how batteries work <laughs> uh, <laughs> and basic like electronic wiring and stuff um, like that. Because then you could just design, and I think that was the big thing is like if if I knew more about how interconnecting batteries work, sure, like then I could have connecting just, series to parallel right. to like maximize because, milliamps or volts. Because like you showed me that one picture, God, we're spending way too much time on this. Who cares? Um, you sent me that one picture. You're like, oh, this seemed to be the one that worked the most, and so I took that. And once I drew it, like it started to make a lot more sense to me. Right, but right. I had trouble visualizing lemons. <laughs> I think about lemons all the time. The the image of lemons is perfect in my mind right now. Yeah. I know exactly what they look like. And then I think they're the, like they're like long and they're yellow and you pull the skin back. Oh my god. And they're like soft inside. I think the other thing that helped was uh I was trying to do everything theoretically and you were like, No, let's just hook it up and like I'm just gonna keep hitting the guitar until it makes a sound. Uh-huh. And that's what I started doing at the end when we were still testing because it was the caveman way. At that point it, I realized that like it's really only milliamps that matter. Like voltage is not as important as milliamps. So I just have to figure out how to get eno- just just enough voltage. Yeah. Um, like milliamps is the amount. I, I, I read it somewhere. Milli- if it was a water analogy, milliamps is the amount of water. And volts is the pressure of the water. Right. 
That makes sense. Yeah. So, it's, it's yeah. Mean, <laughs> All right, right, anyway, move, lemons. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on to uh, let's get to the an good ad. stuff. Yeah. Do we have any housekeeping this week? Oh yeah. Uh, this week, uh, Michael Mobley uh, started supporting us at the inner circle level. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, um, Michael. And your shirt should might already be with you because I yeah. actually shipped that one out fairly quickly. And here's an announcement: we just recently released uh, our Threadless store. Oh yes, sixtycyclehum.threadless.com, I believe. Something like that. You can find it on our Facebook group or email us if you can't find it. Yeah. But we're putting all kinds of shirt designs in there. We have a really cool one that's like a Bill and Ted theme with Steve yeah. and I in it. Yeah, that uh, one's a ton of fun. But if you join the inner circle, uh, we we have an extra shop for those, a secret yeah. shop where they're all sold at cost. So there's a lot of money savings there. Yeah. So basically, if you're thinking about uh, buying yeah. a couple shirts, joining the inner circle for a month or two would be a good move is my tip. Pro tip. Professional Pro tip. tip. All right. This ad is a Gaiatone EB4 from 1967. It says it's white, but that ain't no white that I've cream. ever seen. Um, I wonder if it was originally white and it just faded. That's possible. What? I mean, this does not look like something that was left out to fade, though. This looks really clean. Yeah. Because a fade, like you would get like an uneven fade on it, usually. Right. This is a very even-looking fade. But, you know, if you got the, your hands on this and pulled that pit guard back, you might be able to tell. I'm sure there's a little bit of a yellowing on it. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, made in 1967. One pickup, one volume, and one tone control. Weight 3.73 kilograms. That's good to know how much, how many kilograms it weighs. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because it is in Japan. Um, it is three hundred and seventy-six dollars and eighty-one cents plus one hundred and twenty-six dollars and eighty-seven cents shipping. So that's going to hurt. Um, but this thing looks really. I mean, cool. for how good it looks, that price is not that big of a deal. Five hundred dollars. I don't. I don't know, man. Uh, you know, the tough thing with this is. Um, it's very it handsome. It looks really good. It's in excellent shape. Yeah. But I just, I don't know, man. I think about like the Gaiatone that you got for Adam. Uh-huh. And that I know like how much all those parts cost altogether. It wasn't very much. No, no, not much and at so all. Well, I bought that Gaiatone from the swap meet for $50. Right. But it was like in really wrecked condition and had this terrible silver blue burst on it. Right. It was like an aftermarket finish on it, I think. This is just slick and beautiful. I, I'm i going to put my feet down and say that it's worth the $500 just really? for its aesthetic condition and that it looks so cool. It probably is not going to play as well as a modern $500 bass guitar, and it's not going to sound as good. But for one oh, that's... I think it's cool enough. That one that's this cool looking and that the metal parts on it aren't like completely pocked with rust is amazing. Because right. the one that I bought was like beyond freckled with rust, mm-hmm. like it was like solid continents of rust on there. I just think it's very attractive, and I'm gonna bet that for a bass, it probably plays decent and it probably sounds decent. Yeah. Um. So somebody tried to sell one of these in a different color on uh, eBay. And what it did they not, get? It did not sell at five hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, it is still up for five hundred and fifty dollars with free shipping. It is in um more of a sunbursty color. What's the uh, the condition of it? It looks like it's Show in me. pretty good shape. It doesn't have ma- the matching pit guards. The wa- the cream definitely looks like really sharp. The cream sells it. I mean, this doesn't look bad. You should send me these photos for the video. This one's got mismatched knobs too. Yeah. No, the cream one is. 
I think is is far superior to this. This looks like a, it's a little bit more roughed up, and it's missing original knob. So, yeah, I'm going to stick by my assessment of that price. But it's not a flipping price, for sure. That is a buying-to-keep price. Oh. oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I also want to talk about how big a fan I am of this style of metal pit guard. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool concept, and I wish that a current builder would incorporate this somehow in their designs. Uh, I don't know how they would pull it off. They'd have to, you know, enter some sort of other kind of world of manufacturing to get these made. And I know it'd be a lot more expensive than your traditional uh, pit guard material. Yeah. But it's just a really cool concept to have this big, like bubbled out piece of chrome metal. Well, it gives it. It gives the everything a little more depth. Yeah. And I mean, even the. But it's the, like a finger rest that sticks out like on like a on a Les Paul right. or a hollow body guitar. Well, and the everything about this is kind of like over the top. I mean, look at the bridge uh, cover. Yeah, the bridge cover is nuts. Uh, but then also another plus to that pit guard design. Yeah. And I learned this working on the guitar that I bought for Adam, which mm-hmm. is the guitar c- counterpart to this, like right. similar yeah. design. Is that when you have that big bubbled out pit guard like that, mm-hmm. you don't have to have any body route because all right. the electronics are floating up off the body. So you have a more solid piece of wood underneath the whole thing, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun in my opinion and a little bit less work for the builder maybe. And uh, something interesting for people to think about if they're the type of person that's like, oh, more wood means more tone, right? I guess. <laughs> but it also allows a guitar like this, which is probably going to have a very thin style body being a Japanese import. Yeah. Uh, it allows it to not have uh, so much wood taken out when it's already going to be pretty light. I mean, what is it? Three and a half kilograms? Yeah. So that's three and three quarters uh, kilograms. seven pounds ballpark. Yeah, pretty light for a base. Three point. 3.7 is, ah, it's like on the pushing eight sure. pounds. Still fairly light. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm a big fan of that design. Also, you could take that pit guard off. Looks like five screws on there. Mm-hmm. And you could drill a new hole and put other switches in there, get into the wiring really quickly. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't suggest that with this bass. Right. But, you know, if someone made guitars that had this concept, it would be really easy to do mods on it. Or to hide other electronics underneath it, hide like a tremolo circuit or a reverb or delay circuit under there or a fuzz circuit. There's a lot of stuff you can do with this concept. I'm a big fan of it. So builders out there who are listening, figure it out. Go make this thing. I promise I'll think about buying it, but probably won't. (laughs) This guy, I swear. Send send me one. (laughs) All right. um, This week... Um, actually over the last few weeks, um, EHX has been rolling out a lot of oh, new man. stuff it's over the last, crazy. I'll say over the last couple months. Uh, so I'm going all the way back to, um, probably the first one that kind of got people in a, oh gosh, I accidentally punned in a bind. Oh my gosh. Uh, back in June, they announced the electroharmonics tone corset analog compressor, um, Later, uh, two weeks later, they uh, released the uh, platform stereo compressor. Uh-huh. They followed that up at the end of July with the Hot Wax, which was a mix well, of Well, also the, they did their expression pedal and their double the expression ex- pedal. Yeah, the expression pedals. The uh, Hot Wax, which is a combination of the crayon and with the hot the tubes. Hot tubes. Mm-hmm. Um, the 
apparently they're releasing a Super Eagle Plus as well. Yeah. Um, and a, an amp and cab. Um, an amp and cab? What do yeah, you mean? Like a, a cab sim? No, like a cabinet. Like they are going to have an oh, amplifier are they doing and a like cabinet. A, are they doing a, a Sovtech in a cabinet? Like a combo? It's a, This stuff is branded electroharmonics. Uh, the internet in your garage is not the best, so I will not read any more about it. Okay. Um, I, I didn't know about, about that. About a week ago, they announced the Electroharmonics Cockfight Plus Fuzzwa, which yeah. is the cockfight in a Dunlop-style treadle. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a fixed wah pedal in, in a wah pedal. Yeah, it's no longer <laughs> fixed. No, it's, they they broke it. <laughs> 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 and uh the uh, of course uh this past week uh the electroharmonics green russian big muff pie or as the internet all said together finally duh duh <laughs> yeah the first thing i thought when the when the uh the the russian big muff came out was like oh they figured out that you know if they make what people want they can make money <laughs> It's weird to think about this one because, you know, it's supposed to be the Green Russian. And, and it's weird to think about the uh, number of companies that have basically got off the ground doing various versions of Big Muffs. Well, uh, I like, mean, Electroharmonics does like four new Big Muff variations every year. Right. But, but, but skips, I'm saying like skips over the ones that everyone like clones. But I'm saying like their core, their core muffs, like if you go back, you have like. The muff and the double muff and whatever metal muff. Um, no, but like, but just no. I'm just saying, just the big muff sure, itself. Sure. You've got, you know, you've got the triangle, the ram's triangle, the ram's head, the green, the bubble font, the Civil War, uh, the black Russian, and the uh, the silver box, the NYC. Yeah, like those are all just variations on this, um, and they've. They basically, I think they still actively, and then yeah, these other ones. So you've got like the nano muff, the metal muff um, that they have now. I believe they are still making the the big box. I don't one. know. And I thought they were still making the black one, but maybe not because I know I see those ones because the black one is either the version seven or the version eight. That's the one that's recently like started to climb on used market. Oh, really? Um, which is weird. I used to be able to get the, that's the one Adam has. Yeah. So you used to be able to buy those for like 30, 40 bucks. And now I want to say they're like 80 to 110. Huh? Interesting. Um, I got to so, restart the camera. Uh, so anyway, this green, uh, Russian big muff pie, um, this green Russian big muff pie, is one that a lot of companies again have copied all of their versions companies have kind of built off of um it's in the nano style box with side jacks a lot of people are like oh it has side jacks it should have top jacks like the originals did um yeah, it's in a completely different case than the originals. yeah but people still put top jacks on this size case yeah actually I don't know if that's true. I don't know. They're pretty small. This is the this is the smaller because this is the crayon box. It is smaller. Uh, that's a it's a dumb thing to complain about. It's a small box. Why are you so stressed out about yeah. top or side jacks with a small box like that? So anyway, um, this is a thing that they have. I don't know what to say about it. It is supposed to be eighty dollars and sixty cents, 
when it hits the market. So that's a pretty low price. Yeah. Whether or not they will uh, kind of blow a hole in their competition i mean who knows no that's not the way that stuff works i mean it isn't it isn't i everyone wants very specific versions they want you know their favorite company's take on everything yeah uh so all these you know other companies that make uh russian style muffs are going to be just fine because people are like oh that one has a little tweak on it that one has another tweak what's going to open up is people are going to buy the new version and figure out mods to them right and then sell the mods it might be like tough because a lot of these small box ehx pedals are all smt inside yeah that's so true. it's the modding i mean it's doable but it's not as easy as the older ones where you you know you want to change your resistor value you just i mean people go and mod like the micropog and stuff like that yeah yeah but those ones i think they're more in like the timing and and what i don't know yeah you're knows. right you're right um, the other one that I think is interesting of the different ones we've talked about is actually the hot wax. Yeah. Um, I mean, the crayon when it came out, it, uh, was a pretty popular four knob overdrive. I don't know a lot about the hot tubes. This article I'm reading makes it sound like it was kind of a, a big thing. The hot um, tubes was an early like overdrive distortion pedal for EHX. Yeah. And I, they re I'm not super familiar with it. They make it sound like, Oh, a lot of people won't like this because you know, uh, you, it takes away your ability to stack different overdrives. My only issue with it is, again, like I'm familiar with the crayon. I didn't think any of the other EHX drive pedals were, well, the Soul Food's popular, obviously. Yeah, yeah. The Glove is pretty popular. The Hot Tubes is just one I don't hear people talk about. Yeah, it's funny. They they put out a new version of it every now and then. They had a version long while back that had an actual tube in it right which was not the first version like the uh the original version was just a, a pedal and then they came out with the tube version and then they re uh re-released the original version uh fairly recently i want to say like three or four years ago mm-hmm. and so now they've stuck it into something else i wonder what their creative process is over there as far as combining pedals because they're always doing it like what was the one they combined uh the the turnip Oh, the turnip greens was a um, uh, soul food and like a a reverb or something like I that. I believe so. Yeah, they combine weird things sometimes. Like which some it was of those like they made like like you see companies like JHS making two in one pedals that are custom jobs for individual customers. Right. It's like EHX does that, but they assume there's going to be like two thousand people out there that want that specific I, combination. I think cer- certain ones make sense if you're looking for like a standalone, but there's one of them. I want to say it was the tattoo where people were like, this is the new metal starter kit because it was yeah. like, it was like a muff and like, um, a flanger. Yeah. 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 I remember there was a bunch of weird things in it. Uh, so, what, um, what it was like a metal muff and an electric mistress and like a, a delay or something like yeah, that. I, don't remember. I can't remember, but people were calling it like the new metal starter pack. Uh huh. Um, but I mean, they must be doing well enough that they don't just hit the market and then I guess. get discontinued like six months later. I mean, what's the R&D on something like this? It's not going to be a lot. They're just nope. putting two things that they already have in the same box. They probably just have a list going where people write them and say, hey, Maybe. have you ever thought about comp- combining these two pedals? And they just go, hey. Got another email for uh, reverb plus distortion, and there's just a guy like who walks over to the whiteboard and puts a ticker. <laughs> and once they hit like 
30 they're like all right we got 30 let's make it are there even any like price savings on something like that rather than buying the two pedals it's just space i think you're just saving space i don't know huh um the i gotta say though i did like the um i had the germanium big muff which was uh it wasn't even a big muff it was like this nasty grindy 60 cells fuzz on one side and a really really light overdrive on the other side Mm mm-hmm uh, I really liked that pedal. It was a double size pedal, and the two sides just worked well to, with each other. So maybe they are like picking two pedals and like we think these work well. We're just going to put it out and see what people think, you know? Right. All right. Uh, let's hit this next ad, which is going to feed um, into our second topic. Yeah. Eventually. Who uh, Who posted this? Donovan Ford. Uh, this is a Radio Shack Dynamic Mic 1990s, owned by Anthony Kiedis. Mm. Uh, this Radio Shack 33-3018 dynamic microphone is from the private collection of Anthony Kiedis. Believe it or not, this little mic was responsible for the unique vocal tones on One Hot Minute. This is the One Hot Minute sound. Kiedis would run the quarter-inch cable into his practice amp without his shirt on. <laughs> Do you think this works if you put your shirt on? Uh, I wouldn't want to try. Um, the amazing thing about this little Radio Shack mic is that it still has a strip of tape with Kiedis's setting for the one hot minute album sound on it. The mic has an on off switch and Kiedis wanted to remind himself to leave it in the on position. This mic works perfectly. It's incredibly mean uh, when singing shirtless and surprisingly expressive and dynamic when backed off to more traditional shirt settings. A great practice or studio mic. I wouldn't mic, recommend a shirt setting with this mic. Uh, a great practice or studio mic with incredible history behind it. it comes with box. This item will ship with a physical certificate of authenticity from reverb.com. <laughs> Um, this is, they're asking $10,000. Um, I think that's, a little, the, I think uh, that's a little steep. The shipping is a little insulting too. $80, $80 shipping. It's from the official Anthony Kiedis reverb shop on reverb. They joined reverb August 17th, 2017. That's recent. They're getting on the bandwagon, uh, huh? And, uh, I want to know how many offers they've received on this to give it away. Give it away. Oh my God. Give it away. <laughs> Give it away now. (laughs) That was a good one, Steve. Have you been sitting on that all day? I was thinking (laughs) that maybe I could get this. That song always makes me think of the Weird Al version. um, I was thinking I could get this and put it on Craigslist. And uh, when I sell it, I'll just tell the the buyer to meet me under the bridge. Mm, Downtown? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you sold your mic? Mm -hmm. Under the bridge downtown. Is where I sold my mic. You, how long have you been waiting on that? I just Since now, right now, All just right, right now. Um, uh, the, I mean, the, I think the price on this is steep. This is more like the price I would pay if it was signed and came with a photo of Anthony Kiedis holding it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> this is not, you know, just the product price. In my yeah. opinion, um, I'm thinking. Um, I don't know the Red Hot Chili Peppers catalog well enough to make any more Red Hot Chili Peppers jokes. <laughs> you made all the references that I get from the 90s, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> and I almost had one, but... Maybe, uh, no, it's maybe not good I enough. could, if I got it, I could use it on this side, and then I could pass it to you on the other side, and you could use it over there. No? Okay. No. Sorry, Steve. Do you think um, this would make my tone uh, as, as uh, well, snow, something about snow? All right, we let's keep We need to give moving. up on the puns. The let's puns, keep going. The puns thing isn't happening. You need to stop making it 
happens. This was a joke ad, right? This Do is, we know? This was this is a joke? A, 100% got to be a joke ad. The guy doesn't have any additional photos, you know, showing any kind of actual, you know. In settings? <laughs> no, like any precedence for this actually being owned right. by Anthony Right, and, and of course, so what this is, what this is referencing is... Um, and what uh, would be the max you like anyone would actually pay for a microphone owned by Anthony Kiedis? Like, if this was actually owned by Anthony Kiedis, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars, you could maybe uh, take this, um, put the pop capsule uh, into or pop filter into like a vat of uh, biological media and, and grow a clone, and grow a clone of Anthony Kiedis. I like where you're going. We're going to make a lot of money selling Anthony right. Kiedis clones. All right. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't know. An actual, if it was an actual Radio Shack mic owned by Anthony Kiedis, I could see like maybe in a charity auction getting yeah. like a couple hundred. Of them. A thousand at a most. Thousand. A thousand. I'm th- saying charity auction. So you're already like sitting there. You're you know daddy warbucksing it. And you're like, hey. I mean, like always. So you're already set to like spend a thousand dollars or more, and you're like, oh yeah, I this want thing's, to spend a thousand dollars. This thing's uh, dumb enough for me to throw in a hey, you're throwing a chili peppers. I, I think my granddaughter likes them. I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's uh, that's probably about it. But the reality of this is that it's actually pr- most likely a spoof ad, making fun of what we're going to talk about in our topic coming up right now. Is Billy Corgan's Smashing Pumpkins Reverb Store? Yes. Uh, do you have enough Wi-Fi to get into that thing? Do you not have any pictures? I don't. Oh. Um, let me see if I can s- find it by jumping on Reverb. So Billy Corgan has his own store on Reverb, uh, which is not unusual. A lot of celebrity guitarists have their own Reverb shops. Yeah, now. we actually talked about a while ago the. Um, uh, uh, Jeff Tweedy, yeah, yeah, uh, store which from, is Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Yeah. Uh, he has a studio, and so a lot of his studio equipment was up on Reverb. But none of them had like absurd prices like this. Well, like, a lot of it was like there was oddities and like weird guitars that he'd played and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not getting enough of a connection. Um, oh, it looks am. like you got it. Uh, this is like. Some of it is like key pieces from like Smashing Pumpkins history, which is cool. Like guitars that were on tours, guitars that were in music videos, and you know, whatever. The guitar. But some of it is like, oh, here's a crate GT15R. Yeah, so I mean, this is this is <laughs> for, for like what was it like five thousand dollars or something like that. This is kind of the stuff that's like so weird. So some of these are just amps that were owned uh, by um, Billy Corgan, but like so. So, like, here's something I can't process, right? Process Fe- it to me. Fender Champion 110, 1990s Black Tolex, owned by Billy Corgan. So, this is a, a small Fender solid state amp, $450, but it's owned by Billy Corgan. So, I'm like, all right, I get it. Okay. Um, but he didn't I, use I it on anything, did he? Right. Uh, it doesn't say, but then this Crate GX15R, 1990s Black Tolex, owned by Billy Corgan, which was apparently like, the key to him generating a bunch of tones on the uh, M- Machina album, right? I, uh, I, I think six thousand dollars. I think I read the description, and he said he, that he used it basically as a distortion pedal. He ran ran out of the headphone out Here into another amp. Uh, the crate, this crate GX fifteen R is from the private collection of Billy Corgan. Believe it or not, this little combo was responsible for the heavy distortion sounds on uh, Machina. This is the Machina sound. It's a Machina or Machina. 
Probably Machina. All right. Uh, Corgan would run out of the headphone jack or the speaker jack similar to a DI. These little crate combos were dimed, essentially becoming distortion pedals, and were uh, and routed out into the board, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's tape on it that shows the settings that it was at, like basically so they could uh, reply it uh, or replicate it wherever, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but $6,000. I technically own one of these things. Yeah. I, I lent it to my brother-in-law to learn guitar with. Uh, it was my first amp ever. So you could just take this picture. And duplicate the tape and make a reproduction. Yep. I had the and G- then sell it for three thousand dollars half price. I had the GFX fifteen, um, that was which garbage, was the Steve. digital one, and uh, my sister used the GFX, it to the, run guitar through it, and it exploded. Yeah, the one with the R has the has the real reverb tank. Yeah, in mine it. had the fake reverb. So you there's can crash a, it. So you know? there's like a lot of stuff like this. Um, and the ADA MP1 pair owned by Billy Corgan uh, during the Gish and Siamese Dream eras. Uh, it was apparently used to record and tour on Gish um, and was the main guitar sound from 1989 uh, through 1992 and I mean, until, until Billy switched to the uh, Marshall JMP-1. That's kind of like key like fanboy era for Smashing Pumpkins. So if that's like the main amp, like how much is he asking for that thing? Thirty thousand dollars. Thirty thousand um, dollars. What's the model again? Can you show me a picture? It's an ADA MP1. It's just this little rack mount guy. What does that do? It's a preamp. It's a preamp, huh? Here's one. This one says just says make an offer. Um, I mean, these aren't prices because these objects are hard to get, or because they don't exist on the market anymore. It's solely because. They're, they're Smashing Pumpkins memorabilia. But is there anyone out there who's such a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan that they'd spend $30,000 on a preamp? Here's an industry one also. From Just the, because he owned it. For the Machina album, the 1994 Les Paul special Faded Silverburst owned by Billy Corgan used to record basically the entire album. Um, and being played on stage, it's missing... The pickup selector switch because Billy Corgan had the neck pickup bypassed and the switch removed. Um, and there's a sticker of Jim Morrison on it. Oh, great. Uh, the guitar also has a handful of nasty gashes dug into the wood on the side of the body near the pit guard. Otherwise, minimal wear. Bridge pickup sounds great. They're just asking for offers on this. The actual listing price on this is $999,999 um, because... Basically, what they're looking for is for you to send them an offer and tell them why you are the right buyer. And this is, they've got another guitar. It's a 1988 Stratocaster. Um, I thought that one looked cool, the one with like all the stars and stuff on it. Yeah, so that's another one. Um, How much do they want for that one? It's another make an offer. So it's listed at effectively a million dollars. Here's another thing. Here's another like point I want to make. Besides, like, like kind of like fuzz feedback in between notes, is Billy Corgan even known for having tone, like a um, signature tone? I think so. 
that's like hard to get. Like most most of the time, when people are like, "Oh, you want to get the Billy Corgan tone? Just get the specific big right, muff." You right. Right. Uh, I mean, I I will say like, yeah, there's definitely that. Um, but Billy Corgan currently has a signature reverend. Uh, but it's his guitar. His, yeah, but it's like for now. It's and not for like he previously had a signature Fender. It, that was the one with the lipsticks, right? Uh, he had some fin- he I had some remember. strat with lipsticks in it that I always kind of drooled. So over. I mean, so he's at least been a recognized enough guitar player that um, you know. But he's it's not a what I'm what I'm getting at is it's not like it's not like Stevie Ray Vaughan where like if you had one of Stevie's tube screamers you would be able to you know call for a lot of money for it because it's like here's a secret to his tone here's right. the one you know that he used right. like. Built a lot of Billy Corgan stuff. It's just like, here's a strat. He might have put a different pickup in yeah, it. Yeah, it's big. And then he slammed like three distortion pedals as hard as right. he could. Right. It's this big wall of sound. That's kind of what Smashing Pumpkins was known for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, obviously, this store is like really crazy. There's a Dan Electro electric sitar in here. For how much? Uh, 3600 Is it an original? OG? Yeah, 1969. Okay. Um, a 1974 yellow Stratocaster for twelve thousand dollars. So uh, a Taylor GS8 2007 for twenty five hundred dollars. So there are like items in here that, while they are still, I would say overpriced, um, they're not like absurd. So there's there's if a- you if you wanted to get yourself something to collect that he did own, you could find something in here that is nominally affordable. For, yeah, and for the like the celebrity collecting set, exactly, I guess. exactly, and, and so I mean, I guess uh, that's kind of that question of like, but then like a ta- like a Taylor Taylor GS, what was it GS eight GS eight Taylor GS eight that he kicked around for a couple of years as like his home guitar, like that doesn't mean very much, right? It just right. he owned it, he owned it, he owned and, it, and that's kind of like the state of a lot of these things. Um, are just kind of like they're probably too. To three times more than what you would normally see them on the used market for. A yeah. uh, perfect example here is a Fender Telecaster bass 1973. They're, he's asking, he, whoever the seller is, uh, is asking $3,200, which for a 1973 Telecaster bass, I think is high, but yeah. I'm guessing the the standard price on that is between $1,500 and $2,000. So it's only, again, like maybe double what you would expect to pay versus you know, a crate GX 15 that they're asking six, $6,000 for that. I could probably go find on Craigslist in every major city in the United States right now for under $80. If I had mine here, I would feel bad selling it to you for $50. I would feel like I was ripping you off. Yeah. They're, they're practicing them. It's below practice amp. I mean, it's like, well, they compared, were, they I mean, were a practice compared to they were a practice, a practice amp 20 years ago compared to a practice amp. Of today, like the Boss Katana. <laughs> All right. All right. Put that I, boss money away. I wish I had boss money to put away somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing's just kind of ridiculous, but I hope he has a market out there. But then also, Billy's kind of has a reputation of being kind of self-absorbed and self-important uh, and thinking more of himself than is... Uh, you know, within reality. Right. So I guess the real topic we wanted to talk about this, that we've kind of just gone on and on 
um, is oh yeah. So maybe we can do this real quick. And actually, I, I would rather hear from our uh, listenership. Oh, totally. Um, who would you want to see open up a reverb store? Yeah, what guitarist would you want to open up a reverb store? And would you want them to price things stuff high, or would you want them to price it low? Well, I would. I'm I'm thinking more from the angle of like who. I guess it's not want. It's who's like do, co- who's do, whose collections would you want to see? It's like do. Like who's someone who could actually upcharge their stuff, and you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get oh, that." Oh, I, I mean, Frampton. If all of his stuff didn't get washed away in the Nashville floods <laughs> a few years ago, uh, this is gonna sound weird, but I'd love it if Beck opened up a store. You know, he's got to have like a million little yeah, like he, gadgets and gizmos. He's probably got some really cool stuff. And I bet he would probably put it up for fair prices that, you know, collector's prices. But then I could get, you know, some sort of like weird little synthy module thing and put it on the shelf and be like, that's Beck's. Right. I bought that from right. Beck, you know? So, I don't know if there's anyone. Uh, oh, I know who. That I would like off the cuff. You know who I'm going to say? No, I know who for me. Um, but I think like I go back and forth, like there's collections. I think that would be interesting, which is where I was saying like Frampton, like John five, uh, uh, because he's considered like one of the foremost Telecaster collectors in the world. Anything you want from Jimmy world? Um, I was thinking, uh, Jimmy world, that would be a pretty obvious one to see. Um, uh, the thing is, is they have two guitar players. So I don't. I would. That's double the merch. Just double the merch. Both of them. Just a Jimmy World store. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, and that's really the key. You got to find a band that's got a lot of guitar players in it, and you get more stuff. Or you just got to find a band that like is known, or an artist who's known for like using a lot of effects and stuff. Yeah, like someone who's gear crazy. Yeah, that's actually the one thing in the Corgan store that I didn't see a lot of is individual effects. Yeah, uh, it was mostly amps and, and guitars. Uh, guitars. And, he know, and a lot of synthesizers. Doesn't he know that it's easier to ship pedals? I mean, come on. Jeez, Billy. But I was going to say, uh, I'd be really <laughs> stoked if there was a, uh, a Chris Ballou store from oh, okay. Presidency of the United States right. of America. Because I know he's got a pile of crazy weird guitars from the span of his career. I mean, there's a, cute, a few key ones from the Presidents that I'm sure would go for big, big money. But uh, I'd love to see all the quirky stuff in his collection. And that's another part of it. Just seeing like all the stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like a little museum showing off all this gear that they've used, you know, there's certain, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking through different, different people, um, or trying to think of different people. And like some of them, like, you know who I bet has, would have a really crazy store who? because just because of like the range of work they've done is uh, Van Halen. Yeah. But how much stuff does, would there actually be in there like a bunch of, you know, Ernie I think, balls, I think a couple of Kramers? A, I think there'd be a lot of interesting stuff in there. I think there'd be a lot of interesting effects. A bunch effects. of phaser pedals. I think there'd be a, a good number of interesting effects. He doesn't use that many effects. It's mostly just amp distortion with a phaser in front of it. And some delay sometimes. I think there'd be I think there'd be some really interesting stuff okay. in there. Um bigger than that, uh oh probably a one that should have been a couple of them uh, would be uh, uh, John Z, Yon Z, however the hell he pronounces his name, from Sugar Rose. Okay. Would probably have a pretty crazy reverb store. Um, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Yeah. Uh, would be a They have a lot cool of little, uh, little tricks and gadgets yeah, that they use. I think that would be... Uh, oh, you know what would kill? Like everyone would go nuts for it? The Edge. 
Yeah. If the edge opened yeah. up a pedal shop. <laughs> uh, here's just all the pedals that I never found a use for. Yeah. Who wants to buy pedals the edge didn't use? <laughs> I bet he's just got crates full of pedals. Have you ever? Well, did you? You watched. Um, what was that show? What was the thing he did? The doc. Oh, the one with, uh, with Jack Page White. And Jack, Jack White. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it might get loud. It might get loud. Yeah. Uh, I think it was in that documentary. Maybe it was something else where he talked about like. All of the pedals that he used on albums he tours with, yeah, they're still in his like in like his rig. Yeah, they're like, just, they just a go giant into big rig, and he's got this like seventy button rack or That's the ridiculous. switcher, and he just switches. But like he's like, yeah, the chorus pedal that I use for such and such song in like nineteen eighty four, like I tour with that pedal. Yeah, it's nuts. Let's uh, let's move on to the last. I think ad. the edge is like the ultimate answer in this, probably, especially for the set of people that we travel with. That would break people's minds. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is a Gibson ES three thirty five. It was sent by John Choi. Um, this is a. It says it's a Katrina survivor. So let's read what yeah, this is read all about. Read the story on it. Uh, this Gibson ES three thirty five was recovered from a flooded New Orleans home in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. As the story goes, the owner of the guitar died in the flood. And all of his belongings were discarded into a large trash pile in front of his gutted residence several weeks after the waters receded. This guitar was found in rough shape, having endured weeks of wet conditions along with the extreme Louisiana heat and humidity. It has been carefully and lovingly restored to uh, excellent playing condition by world-renowned luthier Holger Notzel. Holger Notzel. The restoration addressed only the playability of the guitar and the functionality of its electronics as you'd expect with the restoration of a historical item, the cosmetic scars inflicted by the storm and its aftermath were left intact. The restoration is nothing short of miraculous. This Gibson has been given a second life and likely plays and sounds better today than it ever did before the storm. The exposure to wet conditions in Louisiana summer heat caused the finish to bubble up and flake in several places. And it's the reason I'm calling this guitarist condition fair to good. <laughs> the metal bits have become tarnished. However, these flaws are purely cosmetic and the guitar is 100% playable in its scarred condition. It's an incredible player. To be honest, I wish I could keep this one because there's something very special about it. Sometimes a guitar comes into the shop that I know I'll regret, regret letting go of. This is one of those guitars. This Gibson is a survivor baptized in the water of a great American tragedy. It is a small but tangible piece of American history, but as they say, you can't keep them all. It includes hard shell case, um, et cetera, et cetera, about shipping details. This guy's asking $2,500. I am currently reaching for my credit card. Uh, it looks really cool, right? It's got a really cool look. Obviously, like what is what is a stock uh, ES three thirty five from this like age go for? Like I don't. I know. Fifteen. Uh, I mean, you can't buy a new um, ES three thirty five for that. So I would guess if you wanted to buy this, um, you're looking. Even for like a new or for a used one this age, I would estimate. Estimate it for me, Steve. Look it up on eBay. Um, well, I'm trying to get it up, but off the top of my head, I would still guess fifteen to two thousand somewhere in that okay. range. Um, so the price isn't ridiculous considering all the work that went into it, and it just looks really freaking cool. So here's a 1982 Gibson ES335 uh, dot net. Uh, with a Bigsby that somebody's asking um, twenty five hundred for, so the same price. Here's a 1979 with a trapeze uh, bridge, 
uh, that someone's asking twenty eight hundred for. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think that's a fair price. Then. I think this. So it, assuming it doesn't, you know, infest your house with black mold. Right. So so I guess the the counterpoint would be that this is obviously damaged. So you got to buy in on the idea that like it plays better. It's now a not even that it plays better. That this is like a piece of history that you want to own. Right. Um, well, I just think that I mean, talk about a natural relic. I think the the look of this thing is is incredible. It's just got this like matte patina to mm-hmm. the paint, just that really fine cracking throughout. Little bits of paint missing here and there. It looks like an old piano, you know. Yeah. It looks like a piano that's been sitting in a in a high school for eighty years. Yeah. The pricing is kind of looking at the pricing is honestly it, it's kind of. Not something I'm going to be able to do on the fly. Of course um, not. But I, I would definitely. I feel like, especially I would. I feel like you know there's a definite market for this. Oh sure. Um, I think there is probably someone out there who, um, maybe had a similar guitar that was just completely destroyed, couldn't get it restored. That might be in a better financial position. Who was like. I got all of my stuff wrecked during Hurricane Katrina. Like this is totally something I'm into. Yeah, yeah. Or just, that would be like know, a that would be a heartwarming, you know, like customer to buy this is yeah. someone who lost their ES335 in Katrina. They left it out on the rubbish pile in front of their house, and they came out and it was just gone. Oh my god! <laughs> um, <laughs> but finally, they can buy one that reminds them. Now, of what it. would be kind of interesting too is knowing whether or not. You know, if that was your situation, if you because this is on reverb and be like, hey, this is my situation, how low are you willing to go? Oh, yeah, like yeah. whether or not this can shop tug at those heartstrings. Would basically be be willing to say, like, look, like you're one of us. Like yeah. you I want to say you deserve this guitar, but you understand it. You know in what? a way that like I can't under really understand sure, this. Of course not. I, I understand the story. I understand that George Bush hates black people. Um, sorry. <laughs> Kanye, come on, Kanye. Well, here's the thing. Like you buy this thing for yourself and you like fall in love with it. And then one day, you know, like the, the, uh, the Katrina historical society shows up and is like, we're looking for like museum piece donations to add to this thing. And you're like, Oh gosh, I got to freaking put my guitar in this thing. Now I feel guilty. I mean, know? maybe, or either way, like as a, Again, this is like a this is like a special kind of collector's piece because think about like if we lived in Louisiana, which we don't, right? But if we did, neither of our like none of our kids were born when Katrina happened. No, but this this would be something where again, if it was a replacement or or whatever, you could would, could buy it and you could pass it down to your kids and oh, say totally. like, there'd be a this story. is a, this is part of a story of a thing that I lived through. So I think this is a really cool piece. Again, if I was a Katrina um, survivor or someone who lived, grew up in the area or lived in the area, this would be on a list of guitars I was super tempted to buy. Unless I was just trying to forget the whole thing. Uh, I mean, that is another angle. You know what the biggest downside to this guitar is? What's that? Is that it's definitely got to be like 100% haunted. <laughs> this guitar's got to be haunted. There's no way like the original <sighs> owner of this guitar isn't following it around. Ryan, like, hey, you damn kids, Ryan, you stole the guitar off my trash Ryan, pile in front of my house after I died. Bring it Ryan, back. Yes, Steve. Ryan. Yes. It's not haunted. It's got mojo. It's got its mojo working. 
All right. Uh, thanks to Sinusoid. Isn't, isn't that kind of the same thing? <laughs> That's my point. Okay. Uh, thanks to Sinusoid for sponsoring this episode. Absolutely. If you're looking for a custom cable or just something off the shelf that has a hundred year warranty, sinusoid.com is the cable shop for you. If you want a cable that sucks, shop somewhere else. All right. Uh, our song uh, today is sent to us by Matt Weinberger. Thanks, Matt. Uh, he is in a band called Township. This song is called Turquoise Kiss. Hope you love it. Sounds like a nice kiss. Bye. Bye. Cause the spells above